National Mission Board and our Lottie Moon Christmas offering as Pastor Matt did a wonderful job presenting last Sunday and and man we're excited already week one to have one of our Lottie Moon Christmas trees being uh, lit and decorated. These trees represent our goal for Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year. Our goal is $4,500 and each tree representing $1,500. So after the first week and we just we got just over $1,500 so we were able to light one of these trees and and uh, while we celebrate that, we celebrate this first tree and that first uh, goal and this uh, larger goal that we have, uh, we still have two other trees that we need to work towards. And so, man, we're excited that in the first week uh, we got a third of it. Aren't you, you thankful for that? You praise the Lord for that. Uh, we are thankful for that. And so I would uh, do the same thing and encourage you to pray. And ask the Lord what God would have you to give toward Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year. And I want you to know that every penny that goes to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, none of that stays here. It all goes out to our missionaries around the world. Uh, we want to be a missional church. And in order to be a missional church, uh, we have to support missionaries. And, and one way we do that collectively through the Southern Baptist Convention is through the International Mission Board and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, and so we invite you to give towards that. There are envelopes in the back of your pew in front of you uh, that you can give towards that. And so uh, I know that the Christmas season, the Christmas time is a giving time. Uh, it is a time where people give towards um, a lot of different things and they give uh, companies and businesses give towards things. But I want to encourage you, uh, if that's you or your business uh, and you want to give towards something, uh, wouldn't it be great that every penny you gave, every penny of it went to exactly what it was supposed to go to? There's a lot of great things out there, but when you give a lot of Christmas offering, every penny goes directly to the hands of missionaries and families. Your money, what we give, literally puts food on their table. Uh, it literally puts gas in their cars so they can take the gospel to the nations. And so uh, I pray that you would pray along with my family on what God would have you to give. Don't just pick a number. Pray about it. What would God have you to give uh, to Lottie Moon Christmas offering? So want to make sure we do that. Well, we're going to be in Titus chapter 3 this morning. In Titus chapter 3, as you turn there, I know that's uh, probably uh, uh, what you, exactly what you thought we'd be in in Christmas season. Titus chapter 3, not necessarily your Christmas book uh, or Christmas chapter uh, to us, but there are some things we can learn in Titus chapter 3 as the church. And so as you turn there, uh, I want to uh, just share with you some information in the 16th century, there were some men that got together, pastors that got together, and they started what's known now as the Reformation. These men are called the Reformers. They began to look at the scope of Christianity and notice that Christianity had fallen so far away from the Scriptures that Christianity as a whole had, had, had moved so far away from what does the Bible say. And the, the Catholic Church had a big part in that, the, the Catholic influence. How the Roman Catholicism had made its way all over the streets and countries and nations. And, and they began to move further and further and further away from the Scripture. So much so that when it came to salvation, you did not need Christ. It was not Christ alone, uh, by faith alone and grace alone. 
uh, Roman Catholicism said that you could buy what they called an indulgence. You could pay money to get a certificate for the forgiveness of your sin. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it say that. But yet, the Roman Catholicism and priests in that day would commission and send out men to go collect money from people and tell them, if you will pay us, we will give you a certificate for the forgiveness of your sin. Many of you know St. Peter's Basilica. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, sanctuary that they have. That sanctuary, St. Peter's Basilica, was built on the money that was given for the forgiveness of people's sins. And so you have men like Martin Luther who began to look at what is going on and they began what we call now the Reformation. Matter of fact, we are just over 500 years past the Reformation that we still celebrate today. We are thankful for those men. What they began to do, they stood up to Roman Catholicism and said, we are not living according to the Bible. We must get back to what does the Bible say. They began to say we are saved by Christ alone, faith alone, and grace alone, through the glory of God alone, to the Father alone, and nothing else. They began to notice that the theology of the Christian world has been trampled on. Theology was no more. It was all about money, 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 and money and tricking people into spending money for the forgiveness of their sins. What they began to notice was not only was their theology off, but their celebrations were off as well. Because, see, that's what happens. When your theology is wrong, everything else is wrong. When you get the Bible wrong, you get marriage wrong. When you get the Bible wrong, you get relationships wrong. When you get the Bible wrong, you get parenting wrong. When you get Bible wrong, you get salvation wrong, church wrong, life wrong, love wrong, joy wrong. And what these reformers began to notice in the height of the Reformation, that not only were there, was their theology way out of hand, but their holidays had gotten way out of hand. Instead of celebrating the life of Christ, the days got all mixed up with extra ceremonies, extra expenses of secular and semi-pagan festivities. The great reformers like Martin Luther called to simplify the celebrations and get back down to the basic essentials. They began to look at the Christian celebrations and notice that they had gotten so far away from the Bible. There were extra ceremonies extra expenses of secular festivities, extra expenses of semi-pagan festivities. And I can tell you this, we're not that far off today. When you look around in the scope of our world, it is a whole lot more about the festivities of Christmas and a whole lot less of Christ and Christmas. And so just as the reformers and just as men like Martin Luther called the church back to the basic essentials of Christmas, I want to do the same. I want to call your families and my family and our faith family. We need to peel back the, the, the paganism of Christmas. And we need to get back to the basic essentials of what Christmas really is. Joy is... 
not something that should be manufactured in our heart, in our life. The joy of this Advent season, Advent is the word meaning come, that Jesus came. The joy of this Advent season is often in, in, uh, intercepted by meals to prepare and gifts to buy and places to go and parties to attend and family functions and the reality of your actual financial situation, relationship separations, or the old age hustle and bustle of the holidays. But it shouldn't be that way. You agree? It shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't have to make joy. Not just at Christmas time, but ever as believers. One pastor wrote this. Joy is a word made cheap by the modern Christmases. So much of our celebration strikes me as make joy. All the cantatas, the pageants, the extra decorations... The extra effort in the music, the extra long liturgies and programs, so much of it is make joy. Every December finds us looking for new things to do, new ideas, new banners. But when in our attempt to be fresh, we leave out Holy Communion, we really miss the center of the celebration. The deepest joy of Christmas comes not from our liturgical activity, but from Jesus' gift of himself in his word, and in his spirit, we go to great lengths to find joy. We go to great lengths to find joy and search for joy and enjoy joy and look for joy. And as the reformers, as that pastor, I want to tell you this as well. May our joy not be found in anything other than the simplicity of Jesus came to this earth. Amen? Jesus came. God in the flesh. God. God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, came and dwelt among us. And so I want to read with you in Titus chapter 3, if you found your place, if you stand with me, Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 3 through 7. The Bible says, for we too, this is talking to believers, for we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. Does that sound like a people of joy? No. They have no joy. Paul says, verse 4, uh, or uh, in that, he said, for we too were once that. We were that, talking to the church. And he's telling the church, you were once a people of no joy. None. You lived in all your passions. You lived in sin. You lived in rebellion. You lived in disobedience to God. No joy. And then look what he says. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared. Merry Christmas. When it appeared, he saved us. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Merry Christmas. Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. Meaning, you didn't do it, you didn't earn it, but he gave it to you freely from his grace and mercy. Through How? Through the washing of regeneration and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. What, how did he do it? He poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Amen. Merry Christmas. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you that our joy is found in the eternal hope that we have in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Oftentimes we look for joy and we search for joy. But I want to share with you just three observations from this passage. There are many, many more, but I just want to share three with you. The first one is this. Joy is not found. It is received. Joy is not found. It is received. And the Bible tells us in Titus chapter 3, we learn this and how we receive joy. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. That's joy entering into our lives, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy. Through, this is how it happens, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Joy is not found. We're not going look, we don't go looking for joy. We're going to turn over every rock and every leaf to find joy. Joy is received. And how is it received? Through the washing of rebirth. It says that in here. Through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Washing of rebirth. We are born again. We are regenerated. Our hearts are regenerated. Our minds are renewed. And joy is received through salvation. Joy comes from the Lord. Happiness comes from the world. Joy comes from the Lord. You don't go find joy. You receive joy. And if you are saved, you have received joy into your life. So be joyful. Have joy. Enjoy joy that comes in your life. That's uh, so why we sing joy to the world. Why? The Lord has come. There is joy in your life. Why? Because God Lord has come and saved you. Praise God for that. Praise the Lord. Are you joyful today? I hope the rest of you convince yourself. I know, I know, it's weird. You're not sure how to react sometimes. We ought to be joyful. And we, too many people are out there looking for joy. Too many folks are out there trying to find joy. You're, you're finding it in relationship. You're, you're running to relationships to find joy. Listen, if you're single in the room, it's okay. It's okay to be single. Okay, it's okay to be, you don't have to have somebody. It's okay. Don't think, you, listen, don't dare think that you're going to go find uh, somebody and you're going to get joy automatically. It's not going to happen. Because joy is not found, it's received, and you're not going to get it from people. You're only going to get it from the Lord. And so we go searching for joy in relationships. We, we go looking for joy in our jobs and joy in our money and our finances. And we're looking for joy in buying this and buying that, receiving this gift, giving that gift. And we're looking for joy in all the wrong places. And the Bible tells us the only way we gain joy is by the washing and the regeneration of our heart and the renewal of our mind that God came to save that which is lost. And that was you. And that was me. And so joy is not found in this earth. Joy is received from above. And so we receive joy in our life. It's uh, something that we have a hard time dealing with. We, uh, we go out to all these places and we're looking for joy. And it seems like everything's trying to steal our joy away from us. Especially when we get into Christmas season. Because we're bouncing from this place to that place and here and there. And I got to make this for that. I got to make that for this. I got that family and then that family. And yeah, we have to go to that family. And we got to buy that for them and this for that. And we got to draw names. And y'all know what I'm talking about. 
Right, you draw names for that family, and why we got to buy? We buy more for other kids than we do for our own. Even our kids, they only get three gifts from us. That's it. That's all we buy. We buy them three gifts. That's it. And I know some of you kids are like, oh, I'm glad you're not my parent. I am too. I couldn't afford you. You're expecting all kind of stuff from us. It's not going to happen in Snyder household. We buy three gifts. That's it. Jesus got three gifts. You're getting three gifts. I'm, that's not kind of sacrilegious, I know, but whatever. It, we're not giving them gold. I would give them frankincense and myrrh, though. That would be kind of cheap. I could handle that a candle, frankincense candle or something. But we go looking for joy of all kind of things. You know, man, you go out in the hustle and bustle of shopping. And, man, I went to Walmart the other day. All I needed was popcorn. That's all I needed. I lost my religion twice. I, I left it out four and 27. I didn't know why. I still never found popcorn. Praise be to God, though. You know, there's an app, a Walmart app. This will help some of y'all. There's a Walmart app that if you'll type in what you want, it'll tell you the exact aisle it's in. Did you know that? Why didn't I think of that? That's, that's something to be joyful. I didn't know that until last night. I'm going to go into Walmart today just to use it. And I'm going to say, y'all said it was on aisle 14. It's not. Look, your app says this. <laughs> I'm going to put them on a wild goose chase like they do me. All too often, we try to find joy in a lot of places. What the Bible says is you can't find it. You can't find joy. That's why Paul says uh, in our salvation, uh, he says, um, that God saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done. You know what that means? You cannot go out and work hard enough to get joy. But you can't find it. Joy cannot be found. It's only received. It only comes from the Lord. Number two, joy is eternal. Joy is not only received, but because of where we get joy, joy is eternal. And our passage says that. In starting at verse 6, he poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. We may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Not only is joy received from the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, but it is eternal. Joy does not stop nor start. It always has been and always will be in Christ Jesus, and it is eternal in your life. Praise the Lord that where joy begins now in your life, it will continue on for all eternity. Happiness is something that you and I often pursue. Happiness comes and goes, doesn't it? It really depends upon how our life is going. But joy is not like that. Joy comes from the Lord, not from circumstances or situations. Joy comes from the Lord. It is eternal. It, you, will, you can be joyful now. You can be joyful tomorrow. And you will be joyful for all eternity. And so we're thankful. We praise the Lord that joy is eternal. That it doesn't just start and stop in our life depending on the crashing of the waves or how our life is going. But joy is eternal. It will carry us to eternity. And so we're thankful that joy is eternal. And not only that, number three, the joy of our salvation has sustaining power. Not only does joy, is joy received and come from the Lord and salvation, and not only is it eternal, you know why it's eternal? Because you didn't make it. You didn't find it. Joy is eternal because it comes from the Lord. And because it comes from the Lord, 
it has great sustaining power. Not only does salvation give joy today, but salvation should give joy tomorrow. And it should give joy in the valleys and the mountains and hard times and desperate times and angry times and happy times. We are a joyful people. That's who we are. That's what believers ought to be, joyful people. You and I, believers, those that are followers of Christ, we ought to be joyful people. Hear this, all the time. Did you know that? All the time. Are you joyful right now? Goodness, praise the Lord. Yeah, I know you're nervous about responding. It's okay, you can respond. Are we joyful today? Amen. Yes, we're joyful today. Why? You, you may say, well, I got my power bill due and this and that, having relationship problems, I got this going on. No, forget about all that. If God knows you and you know him and your, your sins are forgiven and you are saved, guess what? Have joy, dear brother. Have joy, dear sister. All those other things are meant to steal that away from you. But if you got the Lord and the Lord has you and you're going to heaven, you ought to have joy in your life. Why? Because you know that I have joy today, I'll have joy tomorrow, and nothing can take that away from me for all eternity. It will keep me, it has sustaining power to keep me in joy for all eternity. We ought to be joyful people, but often we're not. Often we're not joyful people. We go to work and we get bogged down by things and Christmas time gets us in hustle and bustle and we get in stress and anxiety because we got to buy this and buy that. We don't have enough money for this or that and we got to make a choice. Do I make my car payment or do I got to buy all these presents? Do I run up my credit card to buy all this or do we not? Do we eat this big meal or do we not? And I would encourage you to peel back a lot of that. You know what's doing that? Pressures of the world. Pressures of the, the culture. Pressures of, hey, how about this? Just go tell your family, y'all not getting anything from us. You're not getting anything from us. Well, we bought you some. Well, I appreciate that. You're not getting anything from us. It's not because we don't love you. It's just because we don't, I, I'm not buying all that. I'm not buying it. Now, you'll find out who your friends are, I guess. You'll find out who your friends are, who your family really loves. I got them this, you know, you're going to get something you don't like anyway. Get a Chia Pet for your desk. What are you going to do with a Chia Pet? We got one of those. And I'm determined to make it grow. We're going to make it happen. And we're going to send it back to the person that gave us, I mean, picture of it. And we're going to be excited about it. I think the culture and the pressures of this world drives us into stress and anxiety because we got to keep up. Keep up with that family. Keep up with them. And, oh, look what they bought. We got we to gotta give their kids something. They gave our kids something. I didn't ask you to give my kids anything. I mean, look, y'all think I'm kidding. I'm just being real. I appreciate that. I mean, I really do. I know what you're thinking. We're going to buy his kids something. They only get three things. Lord have mercy. <laughs> We're going to get them something. Their list is a whole lot longer than three things. I promise you that. It builds all year long. And the older, I found out, the older they get, the whole lot more expensive those things are. Three things could be a couple thousand dollars. Not in a Snyder household. I promise you that. I, hey, bet that. I, that's not going to happen in a Snyder household. You better be good with that book you just got. <laughs> you better be good. They're not in here. I can say what I want. 
too often during the Christmas season, semi-pagan celebrations turn into stress and anxiety. Parents, can I tell you this? Your kids pick up on that. They do. Don't be stressed out. Don't let it do that to you. Because when you do it, it really takes away from what Christmas is really about. It's about the greatest gift that God has ever given us. It's about Jesus. Now, look, now I know what you're thinking. Well, we're taking everything back. No, you don't have to do that. I'm not saying don't buy gifts and don't give people stuff. No, I'm saying the Bible says it's better to give than receive. I, I get all that. I'm not saying all that. I'm just saying don't turn it into a semi-pagan festivity. Let's honor the Lord in our giving. Honor the Lord in our gift giving. Honor the Lord in our finances by what we buy and how much we buy. Honor the Lord in all that. Would God be pleased with some of our activities that we do? Listen, our quest to be givers often turns into materialism. May it not be so this Christmas for you. I would say this. Go ahead and tell yourself, tell your spouse, tell your children and your family that this Christmas we're not going to celebrate a holiday. We're going to celebrate Christmas. Just go ahead and lay it out. This Christmas we're going to celebrate Jesus. You may not get everything you want. You may not get everything you thought you would get. But in Christ, we have everything we need. And everything that somebody's going to give you, it's either going to fall apart. You're not going to have batteries for it because that's come separate. You're not going to have the tools to get it out of the package. Praise God. It's going to quit working, fall apart. The clothes are not going to fit like they should in a couple months maybe. <laughs> Happens for me. And you're just going to give them away at some point. And then the months of you stressing out and high anxiety and running them bills up, two, three months from, from then, it's all gone. Now what? You stress out and do it all over again the next year. Let me tell you something that won't ever run out, won't burn out, it won't run out, it won't break. And that's the joy of the Lord. And I want to tell you, I want to encourage you this Christmas. Just rest in the joy of knowing Christ. Let that be enough for you and your family. Listen, I want to tell you this. If you have no joy this Christmas, you have no Jesus this Christmas. If you have no joy, it means you have no Christ. And it means you are celebrating a holiday. You are not celebrating Christmas. And I want to encourage you like the reformers did in the 16th century over 500 years ago. May we get back to the basic essentials of Christmas and let's celebrate Jesus. Let's celebrate the Lord. Teach your children to have joy. Minimize the stress. Celebrate the Lord. Joy will carry you through and have sustaining power. Many would say, why do we have communion at Christmas? Because communion uh, causes us to think back on what Christ has done for us. I can tell you this, the, there are two of the greatest pictures of joy in my life. And every time I witness them and take part in them, it brings so much joy to me. They are the, they're two of the greatest pictures of the gospel. It is communion, the Lord's Supper, and baptism. It's the ordinances that we have. Two of the greatest pictures of the gospel, the greatest pictures of what Christ has done for us is communion 
and baptism. We are reminded of who Jesus is and what he has done for us, that he has come, dwelt among us, and he died on the cross for our sins. Why? So that we may have the hope of eternal life. Amen? That's why we do communion at Christmas. Because it reminds believers of the great joy we ought to have because of what Jesus has done. That's why we partake of communion at Christmas time. But I want to I remind you before we partake of some important things. The question is, who gets to partake of communion? Of the bread and the drink? Well, the Bible is clear. Only those who have already confessed Christ as Lord can participate in communion. Only those who have surrendered their heart, surrendered their life, trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, only those can participate in the Lord's Supper. Let me ask you this. What about you? Can you participate this morning in the Lord's Supper? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Have you repented of your sins and trusted in Christ? I can tell you this. If you have not, if you will trust in Jesus today, it will be the greatest Christmas you've ever experienced. You will receive the greatest present you have ever experienced in your life and that is the forgiveness of your sin and eternal joy only those who have surrendered the lord can participate so in a moment we'll have an invitation and if that's you say pastor mike that's me i i I need to surrender my life to the lord jesus today during that invitation that's the time for you to do that i'll be down front pastor john will be down front the bible says simply call out to the lord you can do it right where you are Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I want to trust in you today. Lord, I trust that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins. And God, I want to put my trust and my hope in you. God, I pray that you would save me now. And God, I want to live for you. The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive. Or maybe you're a believer in the room. Maybe you're a Christian. There are some things that you and I need to do before we partake as well. One of those is the confession of sin. If there's any unrepentant sin in your life, the Bible is calling you to come and repent of that sin. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that if you come with unrepentant sin and you partake of the Lord's Supper with unrepentant sin in your heart or you have strife with another brother or sister, you partake in an unholy manner and you are guilty of sin. And So I want to encourage the brothers and sisters in the room, followers of Christ, if there is unrepentant sin in your heart, may we, for, may we seek repentance for that sin before we partake so we can partake in a holy manner. I'll be down front. Like I said, Pastor John will be down front as well. And we invite you to come. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, we're thankful for the Scriptures, thankful for joy in our life. Father, I pray that, God, if there are people in this room that need to submit their life to you, that they have not trusted in you as Lord and Savior. God, that they'll do that even now. God, that they're living without joy in their life and they've been searching and searching and searching for joy and they've never found it. Well, Lord, I pray that they will know today that joy cannot be found. Lord, it's only received and that's received through salvation. Listen, if that's you this morning, As we stand and sing in just a moment, we invite you to come. You can pray right where you are. Prayer of salvation. God, here's your heart. But we want to celebrate with you. We want you to be able to partake of the Lord's Supper for the first time today. So won't you pray? What about believers in the room? Is there sin in your heart? Is there strife in your life? Are there things happening in your life you need to come and repent of?
Is there a brother or sister you need to go and seek forgiveness with? Paul's very clear that unless we do that, we partake in an unholy manner and we are guilty of sin. So may as we as believers come before the Lord and may we repent. But also may it be a time of prayer and a time of thankful prayer that what this represents, that joy came to me. Joy came to you in the form of Jesus. Father, we pray these things in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and sing with us?